Well, I want to talk to you today about living on the water, living on the water. And I'm going to be talking out of Matthew chapter 14. And uh, you've heard a version of this sermon a hundred times before, but I'm going to preach another one and we're never going to stop preaching it. I believe today that my job is to challenge you to challenge you to live out on the water. In Matthew chapter 14 and verse 22, we read, Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side, while he sent the crowds away. After he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray, and when it was evening, he was there alone. But the boat was already a long distance from the land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Then Peter said, Excuse me. <clears throat> Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. And Peter got out of the boat walked on the water, came towards Jesus, but seeing the wind, he became frightened and began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind stopped and those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, You are certainly God's Son. Today I want to talk to you about what it means to live out on the water, and I hope today to inspire some of you to live out on the water. This is a familiar story from the Bible that if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you've heard the story before. But, but I pray today that you maybe get some things you haven't gotten before and that you are challenged by the Holy Spirit today to think of living out on the water as maybe differently than you've ever thought of before. I know that some of you have thought of walking on the water, but I want you to think in terms of actually moving out there and staying out there on the water. What I mean by living on the water is that living on the water is living in places that can only be reached by extreme faith. They can only be reached by living a life in which you have complete faith and trust in God. And that sounds familiar. We talk about that a lot. We live by faith. The righteous live by faith. We don't live by sight, but we live by faith. And those are all uh, important things. And sometimes it becomes a Christian vernacular where we just say it enough so many times that we've forgotten what it means to live by faith and not by sight. And I want to challenge you today to think about living by faith to the point where you're out there on the water 
all the time, that your life is lived out in the miraculous. Here are some things that are true about living on the water, some, some things that living on the water is marked by. You're going to recognize these things and know that you're living on the water when you see these things. Number one, a lot of your life will defy logic. Living on the water means that you don't always do what is logical here on earth. <clears throat> Uh, also it is risky and dangerous living on the water means that you're going to be put into positions that are dangerous and risky at times. It's marked by loneliness. Living on the water means that you're going to have to go out there by yourself because most people aren't going to live out on the water. It's also marked by miracles because miracles happen in the lives of people who live out on the water. The miraculous happens for those who live out on the water. Out on the water is where the miracles occur. Out on the water is where Jesus is. Out on the water is the life that you can live that will actually change your world. Yes, you have a world. Yes, we all live in the world, but I'm talking about your world. God placed you in this day, in this time among your family among your co-workers, among your community, among your people, even your friends on Facebook. God placed you in your world, your circle of influence. And when you live out on the water, you can do more than just be one of them. You can change them. You can transform people's lives. We need some people who are willing to walk out on the water and stay out on the water. Here's the truth. Some never get out on the water. Many Christians today are never going to experience the life of living out on the edges, living in extreme faith, uh, living risky lives, taking chances when God says to take chances. Some are going to occasionally visit walking out on the water. They're going to have times in their life when they trust God for big things, but then they'll pull themselves back. They'll get back in the safety of the boat and, and they'll once again go back to trusting in what they see rather than what God says. But there are going to be a few, very few, who actually step out of the boat and in a spiritual sense, stay out on the water. I want you to listen to me. I know Peter and Jesus got back in the boat physically, but I believe, and I'm going to show you today, that Peter spiritually stayed out on the water. That the thing that caused him to have enough courage to get out of the boat and walked on water stayed with him and transformed his life. There are some of you today, some of you today, my goal is not to get everyone out on the water. I know that's not going to happen. My goal is, is not to get you to visit walking out on the water. I'm not here so that some of you will have a one-time experience, although that might happen. My goal today is inspire some of you, and God is speaking to you. It could be you to change the way you live, to take a chance to get out of the boat and stay out on the water. Don't just visit the miraculous, but live in the miraculous. Let your very life be a miracle. Twelve disciples of Jesus got into the boat, but only one of them walked on water. Why? Why only one? 
Why only one? Well, it comes down to one thing, I believe, and it's fear. Why do many Christians prefer the safety of the shore or the safety of the boat rather than experience life on the water? Why? And it's fear. People are afraid of losing what they've already got. They're afraid of being laughed at. They're afraid of failure. They're afraid of challenges coming their way. They don't want to lose, so they'd rather play it safe in the boat. I am talking to somebody today. You've lived your life in such a way as to protect what you've already got, and because you have, you're not winning spiritually. I want to read you a quote that I saw on Twitter the other day. I follow a pastor whose name is, is Derwin L. Gray, and, and he's, a, he's a great guy. He's got great quotes and great things, and uh, he used to be a safety in the NFL. He played for the Colts and the Panthers. Now, if you don't know what a safety is, he is a defensive player, and his title, Safety, kind of tells you what his job is to do. It's to kind of be the last line of defense uh, in keeping the offense from scoring. Now, I just heard a bunch of people who don't watch football just everything go over their head, but just stick with me as we dig into his quote here. He understands football. He understands defense. Well, in football, when you're ahead and it gets close to the end of the game, a lot of teams, when they're on defense, will employ what's called the prevent defense. In other words, they're not trying to sack the quarterback. They're not trying to go for the interception. They're trying to play back and just stop the offense from scoring. Well, here's his quote. It is this, the prevent defense prevents you from winning. Let me say that again. When you play the prevent defense, it prevents you from winning. How many times have you seen a team that was behind by four, three, two, five, whatever, and they've got a minute left, two minutes left, and their quarterback gets the ball and they just go for it. They have nothing to lose and they drive the ball down the field and they score and they win the game. How many times have you seen that? where the defensive team tried to play it safe, tried to conduct themselves in such a way that they didn't lose the lead they had, while the other team went for it, and the defensive team that played it safe lost. I'm here to tell somebody today that you've been living your life according to the prevent defense. You've been living in such a way as you're not willing to go for it because you don't want to risk what you've already got. But I want you to know that God's best for you is not in the safety of the boat, but it's out there on the water. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God wants you to be willing to step out on the water. It's about following where the Spirit leads, and it's about doing what the Spirit says, living the Christian life. You see, Peter went for it. Peter went for it. And I think about that today. What was Peter thinking as he sat upon the boat? You've got 12 disciples, they're in the boat, they see someone on the water, and they're afraid. They didn't even recognize it was Jesus. Now, some of you today, you need to get that. God is out there. Christ is out there somewhere, and you don't even recognize him, because out there to you is a place you don't belong. But Jesus is out there. Recognize him. Ask him, God, is that you? Peter asked him, Lord, if it's you... He was wanting Jesus to acknowledge, yes, I am out here. So what is Peter thinking while he's in the boat with the other 11 disciples? And 
What are the other 11 disciples thinking? What are they thinking? Now, I believe Peter was thinking this, and I think it's proved by his actions. And I believe the other 11 disciples had missed this, and it's proved by their actions. And that is this. I believe Peter had a deeper understanding of what it means to follow Christ. I believe people, Peter understood that we're not just here with Jesus while he does his thing, but in fact, we are supposed to go where Jesus goes and do what Jesus does. Now that's revelation to some of you today. You've been spending your life just kind of going where Jesus goes or or just going with Jesus while he does his thing rather than placing yourself in his life. In other words, Jesus lived as an example. He was, he is saying to you and I, the things that I do, you shall do also and even greater things. While the other 11 are looking at Jesus going, wow, it's miraculous that he can do that. Peter is thinking, I should do that too. I want to do that too. Some of you, the the switch just flipped in your thinking about your own life because now you're thinking, I can do that too. If Jesus did it, I can do it too. I'm supposed to follow him. I'm supposed to follow in his footsteps. His life is not just teaching me things. It's an example for me to follow. Peter understood that he was supposed to follow Jesus. Now, if you're going to live on the water, you got to go where God goes. You got to go where God goes. Amen. I think of Moses following the, leading the children of Israel out of Egypt and, and they were following the, the fire by night and the, and the cloud by day. When it stopped, they stopped. When it moved, they moved. They were obedient to follow because Moses, as their leader, said, you know what? We're not going to go until God says to go. And when he says to go, we're going to go. And when he says to stop, we're going to stop. Because as long as I am where God is, (laughs) I am out there on the water where the miraculous can happen. Glory be to the name of the Lord our God. Yes, and listen, God will often lead you into dangerous or perilous situations. Oh, you didn't want to hear that, did you? And some of you today, you've even said some things that, you know, if it's bad or dangerous, then it wasn't God. If, it, if you were led to a place where you faced difficulties and challenges, then it must not have been God. As if following Jesus means that you're always on a rosy road and everything always works out and you never face any challenges. And I'm here to tell you, If you think that's the way it is, you need to go back and talk to Moses who got caught between the army and the Red Sea. You need to go back and talk to Daniel who kept praying in front of the window and was thrown into the lion's den. You need to go back and talk to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who were thrown into the fiery furnace. You need to go back and talk to Peter who was on death row. You need to go back and talk to David who was stuck in a cave. You need to go back and read the stories again because God often leads his people into places that are dangerous or perilous in the natural. Mm-hmm. Yes, he often does, because this is where the miraculous takes place. 
Oh, some of you will never get out of the boat. You will never live out there on the water because you don't want to be in a place that's dangerous or perilous. You want to always know where the money is coming from. You want to always have a healthy report from the doctor. You want to always feel like that what you got is safe and you're not risking it all. But I want you to know that you got to take what God has given you and be willing to exchange what's good for something that's better. You've got to be willing to step out in faith and take a risk. Hallelujah. And the risk is a natural one because spiritually we know that there's no risk when we trust God because God's got this. Amen. God's got this. We're not actually waiting for victory. We're functioning from victory. Glory be to his name. Yes. God will often lead you into dangerous situations because God goes to places that are dangerous. In fact, that's where you're needed. Some of you have been asking God to get you out of a dark place. Can I tell you something? You're supposed to be light. And light is not needed in bright places. It's needed in dark places. Stop asking God to get you out of dark places and start asking God to help you shine better. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Start asking God to help you shine better. So where's Jesus? Jesus isn't in the boat. He's out there on the water, in the waves, in the storm, in the dark. You want to know where Jesus is? Jesus is where the lost and hurting are. If you've got a life where you're concerned about you and your family as long as you're doing well, and maybe your extension of care and compassion goes a little bit to your friends and extended family, maybe even your church, but beyond that, you're not really concerned about other people, then you haven't gone where Jesus is. Because Jesus is out there where the lost are. Jesus came on a mission. He didn't come to just hang out with us. He didn't come to tell stories to the other uh, uh, children of God. Jesus came for the lost. If you're not around the lost, get around the lost. Go around the lost. As as Christians, we have a problem in that we've developed lives where we don't even know people who are lost anymore. Meet your neighbors. Join the PTA. Join the gym. Talk to somebody. Go to the same restaurant once a week and meet somebody there. Stop at the same place for gas. Meet the cashier. Meet lost people. They need you. You want to follow Jesus? Find the lost and find the hurting. The Bible says of Jesus that he went around doing good, healing all those who have been oppressed of the devil. Can I tell you something today? The devil has oppressed people in your world, and it is your job to go around and do good and heal them, deliver them, set them free from the oppression and the attack of the devil. That's where Jesus is. Hallelujah. While we spend our time in the safety of our homes and the safety of our salvation and the safety of our church, Jesus is out there where the lost and hurting are. He's out there on the water. Yes, Peter went for it. Jesus, if you're out there, bid me to come where you are. Oh, you ought to wake up tomorrow morning and the first thing you ought to say is, Jesus, wherever you are, bid me to come to you. I want to go where you go. I want to be where you are, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Not only did did Peter follow Jesus, but he obeyed Jesus. I want you to notice something. Peter, Peter needed Jesus to tell him to come out on the water. If it's you, Lord, tell me to come out on the water. And Jesus said, come. 
I think the first thing you need to get from that is living on the water is not you just doing whatever you want to do and God covering you with miracles. Let me give you an example. You remember when Jesus was tempted of the devil and the devil took him up to the top of the temple and said, you know, if you jump, the Bible says that angels will catch you and you won't get harmed. And Jesus said, basically, uh, yeah, I'm not putting the father to a test. That's just silly. That is a great example of how Jesus didn't just place himself into dangerous situations with dumb choices and then expect God to bail him out. Jesus didn't write a check for a new car and expect God to put the money in it, in the bank. Jesus didn't sit on the couch all day long and not go to work and then expect God to pay his bills. Jesus didn't mistreat his body all of his life and then expect God to bail him out by healing him. Well, I'm hitting some of you where you live today. Living on the water is not about God always bailing you out because you did something dumb. No, Peter needed Jesus to tell him. Living out on the water is following Jesus and obeying what he says. And that could mean anything. Uh, uh, Look at two examples here. For Peter, it meant stepping out, taking an action. When Moses got caught at the Red Sea, it meant standing still and letting God be God. How did they know the difference? because they obeyed the voice of the Lord. They heard the voice of the Lord and they obeyed the voice of the Lord. God wants you to hear what he says and obey him. Hear his word and hear the spirit speaking to your life. That's right. You have to be willing to reject all of the messages from everything else. Can I tell you something? There are messages coming to you in the natural realm. Peter could see the waves. He had experienced gravity. He had been in the water before. He saw the wind. He felt it on his skin. All of these are messages telling him, you can't walk on the water. You can't do that. You can't do that. And listen, you are getting messages from your bank account, from other Christians, from people, from the naysayers, from your physical body, from the doctor's report, from the condition of the world. You're hearing messages around you that are telling you, stay in the boat, stay in the boat. Don't be dumb. Stay in the boat. But you need to hear the word of the Lord saying to you, come. You don't get out of the boat until you hear the word of the Lord saying, come. And when you hear the word of the Lord saying, come, you come. And if God says, stand still, you stand still and the waters will part. And when God says, step out, you can step out and walk in places that you're not supposed to really walk. Hallelujah. But it's about obeying the Lord. It's not about you doing what you want. It's about you doing what God wants and living your life in such a way that you experience that daily. That you experience that in your life daily. You reject the impulses of the flesh and you trust in the word of the Lord. If you have uh, very little money and God tells you to give it away to someone in need, the impulses of the flesh tell you, you got bills to pay. You better keep that in case. You've got, you don't have food. All of the natural impulses say, don't do it. Stay in the boat. God is saying, come on, step out of the boat. Don't you remember? Don't you remember when I fed the 5,000? Hallelujah. In fact, when you read this story in, in Mark chapter 6, and well, in both of these chapters, you read this happened after Jesus fed the multitudes. 
after the miracle. But when you read this version in Mark 6, the last thing it says in the story is that they had forgotten the miracles of the loaves and the fishes. They had forgotten. It didn't penetrate their hearts. It says their hearts were hardened. They had just seen Jesus do a miracle and now they were doubting Jesus when they were out there on the water. Sometimes we forget. We look at the circumstances and we let those things be God and tell us how it is instead of listening to the voice of the Lord. All you need to hear is the word of the Lord. You need to hear it from the Bible, from the Word, and sometimes you need the Spirit to quicken it to you, to give you a right now word and tell you what you need to do. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. (laughs) Yes, you need the Lord to tell you. And when God tells you, do what He says. Obey. Obey. Listen to what He says. Because if you look at all of these stories, whether it's the three Hebrew children or David or whether it's Peter or whether it's Moses at the Red Sea or whoever it is, there's always these two things in common. They followed where God led and they did what he said. You ought to write that down. I'm going to follow where God leads and I'm going to do what he says. Glory to the name of God. That is life on the water. Life on on the water. And when God takes me through perilous places, I'm not going to back off and say, you know what? I'm not going out there, Jesus. Some of you, you don't even get in the boat. You enjoy the safety of the shore so much. You haven't even gotten in the boat. Then there are others of you that got in the boat. You at least got that far. But when it comes to living out there on the water, oh, you just don't see it yet. You just can't do it. And I'm here to, I'm here to pick out the few of you that are ready. I'm here to, to inspire, to, to help the Holy Spirit bring revelation to your life so that you can start living out there on the water. You know, I, I used to wonder, what was the purpose of this story? It's just a story of a miracle. It didn't feed anyone. Uh, no one was saved. No one was healed. What was the point of Peter walking on the water? But I want you to, I want you to follow me here. I believe this moment was transformational in Peter's life. Because like I said earlier, I believe although he physically got back in the boat, I believe spiritually he stayed out on the water. In other words, he continued to live in the miraculous. Hallelujah. And let me show you a couple places where I think the Bible speaks to that in Peter's life. Peter was the first one on the water that day. And on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit fell upon the 120 and they began to speak in other tongues and God empowered their lives for ministry and for service, people were watching and wondering what was going on. In fact, it was so uh, bizarre that people thought they were drunk. And Peter stood up in the midst of all of them. And he announced to the world the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It was Peter that remembered Joel. And he spoke from the word of God and spoke about Joel. And declared and preached the message of God. And thousands were saved that day. You see, when God was looking for someone to announce the baptism in the Holy Spirit to the world, he remembered the guy that got out of the boat and walked on water. Thank you, Jesus. At this point, the gospel and the message of grace is only for the Jews. 
It had not been extended to anyone who wasn't in the Jews. All of the disciples were Jewish. Paul was Jewish. It was extended to them. But one day, when God decided it was time to extend the gospel message and the covenant of grace to everyone, Peter was the one. In a dream, in a dream, he saw all sorts of things that the Old Testament said don't eat. It was against the law. It was against the Jewish law. And the Spirit said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, no, Lord, I don't do those things. It's against the law. But God said, you know what? If I called it clean, don't call it unclean. And you know what Peter did? He obeyed God. And, and he went back and he told the other disciples and they extended the gospel message to people like me when God was looking for someone to announce that his gospel message of grace was extended to everyone in the world he remembered the guy that got out of the boat you see Peter was the guy who had enough faith and courage that when it was time to break the rules when it was time to get out of the box when it was time to be the first one Peter was the guy. Peter was the guy. Peter was, oh, I want to be that guy. I want to be that guy. When God needs somebody in my world to be the first one to step out into the miraculous, I want God to think of me. I want God to remember me. I want God to say, mile and it's you. You're going to be the one who steps out and does it first. And others will follow, but you're the one who's going to do it first. Somebody's getting this today. Hallelujah. Somebody's getting this today. Glory be to God. Yeah, I know, but some of you are thinking, Pastor, yeah, but Peter sank. You remember? He took his eyes off of Jesus. For many people, the only thing they'll ever remember about this story is, is that Peter took his eyes off Jesus and began to sink. But the tragedy here is not that Peter sank. The tragedy here is that 11 disciples never even got out of the boat. The tragedy in your life is not that you might sink or fail or make mistakes when you get out on the water. The tragedy will be that you never even got out of the boat. Thank you, Jesus. The greatest tragedy of your life as a Christian could be that you get to the end of it and you realize that God had miraculous things, but you never got out of the boat. That you played the prevent defense. That you spent your life protecting what you already had when God has said, I've got so much better out there for you. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I often think about the 11 disciples and how... How the rest of their lives, they probably regretted that they didn't do like Peter and step out of the boat. And yes, I know they went on to get filled with the Spirit, preach the gospel, perform miracles. No, no strike against them. But I think if they could go back, they would step out of the boat with Peter. They'd say, Lord, me too. Can I come too? And when Jesus said, come, they'd get out. Get a picture. Get a picture in your mind of not just Peter and Jesus on the water in the winds and the waves, but 13 people, 12 disciples in Jesus Christ out there on the water in the waves. And as one loses his faith and he's, he's got that oligopos kind of small kind of faith, 
and it doesn't last. And he begins to look at the winds and the waves and sink. Jesus grabs him and pulls him. And, and I can just see Jesus move his face back into his vision. Look at me. It's okay. I got you. And his feet once again gain firmness underneath him. It could have been 13 men on the water. What could your life be if you would step out on the boat and stay out there? Just live on the water. Just live out there on the water. What does living on the water look like? I'm going to close with this. It defies logic. That means God's going to ask you to do things and people are going to think you are drunk. What is wrong with you? What are you doing? Even Christians are going to look at your life and say, you know what? This is uh, dangerous. I'm not sure you should be doing this. Uh, this is risky. Have you really thought this through? You know, one of the most dangerous things to living by faith is thinking this through. Come on. Come on. You're going to do things that defy logic. You're going to be put in situations that are risky and dangerous. And let me tell you what's going to happen. Just like what happened to Moses, when you get between the armies of Egypt and the Red Sea, and you're in a position where you're stuck, God led you there. You followed and obeyed. God led you there. And now you're in a position that looks bad. You know what? The religious people and others around you are going to say, they're going to say, just like the people around Moses did, why did you come here? Boy, you screwed up. This really wasn't God. You got out of here and now you're in a mess. Look what happened to you. And when God says, stand still and watch what I'm going to do, then you stand still. And when God says, step out of the boat, you step out of the boat. Hallelujah. Don't be afraid of dangerous, risky, and perilous situations. God thrives in them. Don't be afraid of the lion's den. Don't be afraid of the fiery furnace. God thrives in those places. Moving out on the water is going to be marked by miracles. There's going to be the miraculous that happens in your life. God is going to do the miraculous in, around, and through you when you live out on the water. It is marked by a faith that invades every area of your life. In other words, when you're out on the water, you don't live a compartmentalized life where you think of God and you and God is in your Sundays and in your service and in your prayer times. But when you go to work, you kind of turn him off. When you count your money, you kind of turn him off. When you're uh, uh, having a time of leisure and rest, you turn him off. And then when you go to church or it's time to live stream like we're doing today, you turn God back on. No, out on the water means God goes with you to work. Out on the water means God goes with you in your leisure time. Out on the water means that God doesn't just inform your life. Listen, you've heard the term that my faith informs my life and my decisions. I want you to go beyond that. Your faith in Christ Jesus invades your life. It is invasive and every aspect of your life is lived by faith and not by sight. And, and when you go to the job, you don't work by sight, you work by faith. Your relationship with your job and what you get done is done by faith in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. When you count your money and you pay the bills, you don't do that by sight. You do it by faith in the name of Jesus Christ. Moving out on the water says this. This is the biggest part of it all, that you can change your world. Yes, you. Let me tell you about Peter. Peter was just a fisherman. He was a poor guy. He was just an everyday kind of person. 
I can, I can just imagine the Pharisees, even some of the followers of Jesus who were maybe, uh, you know, Luke was a doctor, Ma- Matthew was a tax collector. Maybe they had a higher status. And I can just imagine them watching Peter take the lead. And they're wondering, they're thinking, well, why this guy? I mean, I've got an education. How come this guy is walking on water? How come this guy is leading the way? Why did God give him the vision that we should go to the Gentiles? Why did, why did he stand up and preach the first sermon after the baptism and the Holy Spirit was poured out? You know what? It doesn't matter what your education is. It doesn't matter uh, you know, how talented you are. It doesn't matter whether you fumble over your words or you have an outgoing personality or a certain X factor of presence. You know what matters is that you have faith and that you follow God and you do what He says. Yes, you go where He leads and you do what He says. And you know what? God will use you. God will use you. The miraculous will happen in and around your life. And you know what? You will change your world. You will change the lives of your family because you live on the water. You will change the lives of your coworkers because you live on the water. You will change your community because you live on the water. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to pray right now for your people. I want to pray that they get out on the water. You've called me out upon the water. Oh, God, let us hear the revelation of the Word of God. Come. Come out here. Come on. Come out here where I am and trust me. Hallelujah. Come on, step out. Step out. Step out. If you're in your home today and you need to make a physical representation of that, just stand to your feet and take a step like you're stepping out of the boat. Just step over the edge of the boat and step out like you're on the water. Oh, you may be naturally on your living room floor, but in the spirit realm, you are walking on the water. And, and, and I want you to pack your bags and move out there. Father, help us to live on the water. Help us to have an extreme kind of faith that rejects every impulse in the natural and just follows and obeys your word. We need a cloud by day and a fire by night. We need the voice of Jesus speaking to us. We need a burning bush experience. We need revelation, God, so we can hear your voice, hear your word, and follow and do what you say. Thank you, Lord. And we will not be afraid of perilous situations. We will not be afraid of the lion's den. We will not be afraid of the fiery furnace. We will not be afraid of the Red Sea or the armies of Egypt. We will not be afraid of persecution. We will not be afraid of losing what we already have. We will not be afraid. We will not play the prevent defense. No, we're going to go for the quarterback. We're going to go for intercepting the ball. We're going to go for it with all we've got. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. 